Introducing the only person that can talk more trash than I can, <laughs> Mike Baker, and he's here for another special episode of The Rock Show. And today we got Jesus and Mary Chain. God damn, it's just like honey. Just like it is honey. just like honey, just man. Just like honey. And that movie was in that movie with Bill Murray. Um, Lost in Translation. Lost in Translation, which yeah. I thought was one of the most fantastic oh, movies I love that I ever movie. saw. Great I movie. I love that movie. And they, they, that song is featured prominently in that movie. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, we're doing a show today. Welcome to The Rock Show. Uh, what episode is this, Mr. Ross? This is episode 114. 114, damn it. 114 shows. 114 shows. I've done this 114 times with you. And uh, my friends in New Zealand. Hello. Hello, New Zealand. We were number number 38 in New Zealand. 38 in New Zealand. The numbers are going up. Now we're going to call sponsor. We're going to get donations. I got to fix the Patreon. Thank you, Kiwis out there. We love you. Kiwi, you guys are the best. God damn it. (laughs) The best. So right. today's episode is on the Jesus and Mary Chain, the great Scottish band. Uh, These were two the brothers, 80s. right? Jim, and, Jim brothers. and William Reed. Uh, one of my all-time favorite bands. I think Psycho Candy is is their first album. Oh, that's a great fucking album. It's one of the like, best albums everything. of the 80s. One of my favorite albums of all time, to be honest with you. It's a great um, album. I listen to it probably just as much now as I did 30 years ago. I thought that album was fantastic, man. When that yeah. came out, like it was a game changer. They had some great songs. And um and the song that was in, in uh Lost in Translation was there. It was like I was like, Oh my god, these guys it was almost like a weird comeback because then they got together after that. Yep. Just like honey. Just like honey, baby. That's what we're talking <laughs> about. Woo! We're not trying to bite any that, uh, that, laws, that, any laws, but that Phil Spector be my baby yeah. beginning and a lot of feedback that's what they were known for they had some great songs in that first album you know uh, it was like holy the, fir- shit. the first the first uh the first two albums are just is not a bad song and then the third album grows on you it's a pretty good album after that it's a little spotty i did i did check out their latest one that came out about two years ago yeah. and uh there was some videos from it and stuff not bad, not bad. They seem to kind of. They, I think they, after a while, they just got um, they got like a little. They did too much together. They needed that little separation. Well, you know, like the uh, you know, like the Gallagher brothers and Oasis, and uh, you know, a lot of bands with brothers in them, they end up fighting, and that's what broke the band up. You know, for a long time. You, you know what's crazy? These guys had so many videos. Also, they were yeah. huge with the videos. Yeah, like, almost like. And MTV used to play the shit out of them. Yeah. You know? Especially 120 minutes introduced yeah. it. And then after that, they were in rotation. It was like, yeah. holy shit. So, Mike, what you got for me about Jesus okay. and Mary Chain? Okay, well, let's, let's start let's, this journey. Let's, let's jump in right here, okay? Um, well, in case you didn't know, they are a Scottish rock band, okay? Formed in uh, the East Killebreed area. You of- think they drink a lot of scotch? 
Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure they do. East Kilbride area of Scotland. This is a great hat. Bad Brains. Bad Look at brains. this fucking hat. Bad Brains, one of the best bands ever. Um, they were formed in 1983. Now, basically, if you ask these guys, and they're on record saying it, the two brothers, Jim and, and William Reed, uh, they basically started the band out of boredom. Nothing yeah. else to do. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They were on the fucking dole. They couldn't find a job. They 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 just uh there's nothing to do in that town. What would they do now with a pandemic? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Well, they're set now, so it's okay. But um they basically, you know, there was no music scene going on that they liked. Okay. Um one thing about the Jesus and Mary Chain is they always had a lot of critical acclaim. Yeah, pretty much through their whole career. The fans, um, like the, the fans, critics love them. The, the British the love them. them, right, right. And you know they had moderate commercial success, enough to kind of keep going. Yeah. Okay. Um, but they've always been influential to to a lot of people, uh, especially a lot of people into underground music and stuff yeah. like that. Now, uh, the two brothers, Jim and William Reed, they were inspired to form the band really, basically as far back as 1977 when the punk scene was happening, they yeah. were very influenced by that. Um, but they, you know, they were just kind of like lazy kind of fuck ups. But they right? took a and stroll. They, well, you know, they, they basically in, 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 in East Killabride or Killabride, however you pronounce it, uh, there's not a lot to do. So, I mean, you really just get drunk at the pub. Okay. And you know, whatever acid and mushrooms and shit you do, you know, <laughs> that's what they did. All right. But so they were uh, very influenced by the UK punk scene. But by the early 80s, that scene had had basically disappeared yeah. and it was replaced with like, kind of like an electronic pop music and, you know, stuff that was but new wave. These guys kind of use electronic. They, 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 they did. They weird. did. They did use drum machines. We're going to get into that, uh, which was something that they got criticized for. But um, there were no when, when they were ready to start this band, there were no guitar bands really popular no, no, anyway at all. Okay, so uh, basically being on the dole for five years, they said, what do we got to do? Got to lose. Might as well start a band. And that's what they did. So originally they were going to be called the Poppy Seeds. And at one point they were actually actually going to be called the Death of Joey. All right. So with those two horrible names out of the way, they decided on the Jesus and Mary chain. Now, how'd they get that name? It's always been a mystery. Supposedly, during an interview once, they told the journalist that they got the name from an old Bing Crosby movie. There was some reference to a Jesus and Mary chain that Bing Crosby said in a line in the movie. But then they said, no, that's not true. They said it's from uh, the inside of a uh, surprise uh, inside of a cereal box. Like, you know, buy this box, you'll get yeah. a Jesus and Mary chain in the box. Oh, yeah, okay? yeah. But then they actually said that's not true either. So they've always kept it like a mystery as to how they got the name, which is I kind thought of they were religious and they just named it no, Jesus not, and Mary. These guys, these guys were not religious at all, okay? <laughs> not at all. Um, in 83, Jim and William started recording and sending out demos. Uh, their father, who recently had lost his job, um, he, he spent like his last few bucks buying them, I think, for like 300 pounds. He bought them what's called a Porter Studio. It's basically a four-track. Yeah. Okay? So they were doing everything at home by themselves, recording with Jim singing and William playing guitar, and they would, you know, he would play a bass over that. Usually was, they didn't always have bass. They used sometimes two guitars, that kind of thing. Uh, No drum at first. No drum. Okay? So by early 84, uh, they brought on bass player Douglas Hart. 
and also teenage drummer Murray Daglish. Their main influences basically were the Velvet Underground, who we all love, the Stooges, who we also all love, the Shangri-Las, the Ronettes. Another great okay? band. Susie and the Banshees was a big influence. Pink Floyd, Sid Barrett era was a, was a big influence. The Monkees and even Muddy Waters. Okay. Now, some the early monkeys, monkeys. demos that they did, they if you listen to them, they're kind of reminiscent somewhat of the Ramones. But the band really didn't want to sound like the Ramones. So what they did is they added something that would be, you know, what they're no, what they're known for, and that's yeah. a lot of feedback. Yeah. A lot of guitar feedback into the sound. Um, they always wanted to be different. They always wanted to be unique. So basically, right out of the gate, that's what they were. In the spring of 84, they started playing live. And in those early days, Williams' guitar would be left out of tune on purpose. Oh, so okay. sound distorted. Yeah, like most right. Of the music. Right. And Daglish had only two drums in his kit. And Hart's bass only had three strings and sometimes only two. And he would say basically like, you know, these are the only strings I play. So why do I need any more? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only chords you play, you don't need any more. So in the beginning, gigs were hard to get. Yeah. Uh, often they would show up at concerts uh, pretending to be the opening act. And they wow. would just go on stage and do a couple of songs until somebody realized. <laughs> and they would, they, they would take off, you know. Um, they had that as a technique to try to get noticed. They, they, they tried to do a lot of self promoting. Yeah. Um, uh, but they weren't getting any interest by any concert promoters or record labels. So the band decided to relocate to the Fulham section of London. And that was in May of 84. Now, soon after they did that, luck would strike and their demo would be passed. A tape of their demo would, would be passed to Alan McGee by Bobby Gillespie, who was a friend of theirs. He played drums and he would eventually join the band. We'll talk about that. He was, the, he was a member of uh, the band Primal Scream. Oh, you shit. might remember them. Yeah. Um, Alan McGee was in charge of the creations record label. Okay. Uh, McGee would sign the Jesus and Mary chain to creation records to a one-off deal. How was that creation record? Was that like an, that was like an independent label, right? Like they they only had a few things, and they took out bands that they told them to make it, or bands that they yeah. didn't think was going to make it. So they put they were they were they were a real indie label, a real indie label. That's amazing that this company was an indie. Like you don't hear that at all. <coughs> so under these guys, excuse me, buddy, did they uh, release that upside down uh, <coughs> single? Yes, on creation. Uh came out in um <clears throat> excuse me, came out in October of eighty four, that um upside down single. Okay. Um it was produced by uh Joe Foster and he he started Creation Records with McGee. Um the band was unsatisfied with the mix on Upside Down. Okay. And uh they had McGee <coughs> excuse me, they had McGee remix it. Because they were so unsatisfied with it, the B side was a cover version of Sid, Sid Barrett's "Vegetable Man." There you go. Sid Barrett "Vegetable Man." They did a remake on that. I didn't yes. they did a yeah, it's on, on the B side of that. <coughs> hopefully, um, yeah. Hopefully, um, now you played the Psycho Candy version. Yeah, no, the, the I played, this is the single version, upside down single version. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. That, yeah, you're right. You did. They were, they did put it out on that, like, uh, 
I just can't uh, remaster of Psycho yeah, Candy. I just can't do too much because um, <clears throat> you well, on YouTube, we I don't want to get in trouble. We get in trouble. Copyright laws, maybe. They were, they, were, they were big Sid Barrett fans. And keep in mind, folks, we're going to be doing a show in June on the great Sid Barrett. Um, the single, when it was released, it got them the attention that they've been looking for all this time. Uh, music critic Neil Taylor of New Musical Express um, described them as the best band in the world. Wow. That's a nice compliment. That's a, that's a huge compliment. <clears throat> right. Now, Murray Daglish, okay, uh, the drummer, he left after that was released over money issues and a few other reasons. Uh, that was in November of 1984. He got replaced by Bobby Gillespie, and uh, he would kind of split his time between Primal Scream and the Jesus and Mary right. Yeah. So these early gigs... <clears throat> with Bobby Gillespie newly in the band were like legendary. They're they're famous. If any, I'd I'd love to meet someone that was at some of these early gigs. Uh, he also played a two drum kit set, okay, uh, and he would also play standing up, reminiscent of Mo Tucker of the Velvet Underground. Oh yeah, okay, that's another influence of this band. That they love the Velvet Underground. Yep, they even uh, had a song called Mo Tucker at one point, named after her. Uh, the gigs were short. Okay. Uh, often the band was was pretty high on speed and other amphetamines. <laughs> okay, and and they rarely spoke to the audience. <clears throat> I know uh, William was was big on speed. Jim used to be drunk for a lot of gigs. Yeah, like, like real shit. Yeah, lumped up. Yeah, be lumped up. And uh, sometimes they would end early these gigs, and it would cause riots. Well, how early? Like after twenty minutes. Oh no, yeah, you can't do you that. Know, and it would cause riots and people be, you know, freaking out over that. So um, they also would sometimes in these early gigs play with their back to the audience. Oh, so they weren't even looking they at the They weren't even looking at the audience. That's Very nice. little. Yeah. Now, in late December 84, the band performed as a part of the ICA Rock Week. Uh, during the show, bottles were thrown on stage. <laughs> uh, and the press kind of... The British press is known for this, for exaggerating things, okay? And they claim that a riot broke out when really it was just people throwing some bottles. But the national newspaper in England, The Sun, ran ran a story and on they, Jesus and Mary Jane. And, they, shit and, and they hyped them up, calling them the new sex pistols. They were emphasizing about the drugs and the drinking and, and everything. And, and they got this rep as being like a real, you know, crazy band. Okay? So these guys are getting lumped up a long time before getting lumped up. You know what? Uh, from from Scotland, they probably wrote the book on this stuff. Okay, I, I if if anybody uh, wants to read a real good book about them, it's called Barbed Wire Kisses. It's the whole story about them. And I mean, I would need three hours if I was going to talk about everything in that book. Oh, that's a crazy book, but man. It is. it's, it's three hours book. long and it's crazy. <clears throat> right now, based on the success of the Upside Down single. Um, a label called Blanco y Negro was interested in them, and they signed them in early 1985. Now, the group immediately released a single called Never Understand. And that was in February they released that of 85. And that would go to number 47 on the UK singles charts. Originally, the record label refused to release the B-side because it, it was a song called Suck. Okay. <laughs> but... They ended up putting it on it anyway because the alter alternate song that they wanted to use really was a song called Jesus Fuck. 
so what can you tell me about them and John Peels? Because they were on the John Peel. I think they recorded like a second yeah. section. Yeah, them. yeah. I'm going to get to that in a second. They they did a couple of sessions with them. Um, the group's second single though for Blanco y Negro was "You Trip Me Up," uh, but that didn't get pressed due to the refusal of the staff at the pressing plant Whoa. because their song on the B side was called "Jesus Suck." <laughs> Okay, so they wouldn't even press it, but they the, sing- the single ended up right. The single that was released in June of '85 was the B-side, "Just Out of Reach." Just out of reach. Okay, now DJ John Peel, you just mentioned, and you know, last week we we did that show on on him, and uh, such an influential guy. Uh, Want to thank Ron Granger again for for coming oh, on. He and, was great. He was yeah, great. Last yeah, week. he really, you know. Having a British guy on the show always makes us sound smart. It sounds, we sound right? like George. Yeah, but he was really good. No, he was he's very, knowledgeable. very, very knowledgeable, very patient. And actually, he's a big fan of the Jesus and Mary chain, too. Oh, we should have had him yeah, on the show. Yeah, but, 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 but uh, he gave a lot of good insight about John Peel. Now, John Peel, being very influential, uh, was an early champion of the Jesus and Mary chain. Okay, before they even had an album out, he was playing them. Okay, he was playing their singles and stuff. And um, he brought them in to record in late 84. Yeah. Um, the was, band's already they, on. They, they, already they, on. Right. They, they, all they had out was a single at that point. Um, but then he invited them back again for another Peel session in February of 85 when they got signed to Blanco y Negro. Blanco y Negro. Yeah. <laughs> white and black, right? Um, now, through 85, the band made... A lot of appearances, uh, some on TV, a lot of live shows. Uh, they did some shows called The Old Grey Whistle Test, famous show in England, uh, a show called The Tube. Their third single, Just Like Honey, would be released in October and give them their biggest hit at the time. That went up that to got, the top. Nope, didn't go that far. Went to number 45. Oh, where, in the U.S. or in England? Hmm. In England. Wow. In England. Um, now, their debut album... Psycho Candy. Great album. One of the best albums recorded ever. Was released in November of 85. Um, the album was pretty much self-produced, but engineered and over, oversaw kind of by John Loder, who was known for working with um, anarcho-punk band Crass. We're going to do a show on Crass very soon, too. Um, the album fused together the Reed Brothers' two primary influences, which was the guitar sound and noise of the Stooges and the the guitar noise of the Velvet Underground mixed with the pop songwriting and melodies of the Beach Boys. Wow. Okay, Uh, the Shangri-Las and the Phil Spector Wall of Sound. They merged this kind of like punk and pop thing. Really, nobody ever sounded like that before. Nobody. They, they were so unique. They were so different. Yep. Just like the way, like the way they would sing, the way they would play, and they like they had electric drums, right? Like they were doing like that weird kind of electric stuff. Right? <laughs> they they did go. Uh, they did get into a drum machine sound after a while. Um, a little bit on the albums, a little bit live. Uh, we're going to get into that because they got kind of criticized for that, but because it was a little bit too much, I think that they used I, it. I, I, yeah. Yeah, but there was reasons for it. Like, they weren't really easy to work with. <laughs> okay. Oh. So they didn't always, like, want to work with anybody else. You know, the two brothers were working together, and they barely even got along. Okay. So they were just fighting. That's, yeah. Sometimes that's what you get. You get sometimes, brothers, but, but you know, that, that makes great fight. music, though. Yeah. Like, sometimes. Uh, that's, uh, 
and all those guys. Uh, what's the name of the band? Odessa's band. They got the name of the band. Oasis. Oasis. And those fucking motherfucker. I went to the concert where the brother started fight with the other brother, just storm off. Yeah, right in the middle Fuck of the show. Yeah, well, like, that that happened in Jesus and Mary Chain too. It's crazy. Okay, like William would walk off stage. That that happened. Um, now this record, Psycho Candy, received like unanimous praise everywhere. Uh, positive reviews. Um, it's, it, it, it's considered a landmark recording even now. Um, I consider it one of the best albums of the '80s. Uh, and and drummer Gillespie announced during the Psycho Candy recording sessions that he was leaving the band to concentrate more on Primal Scream. Um, he recorded most of the drum tracks on that album with John Loder sometimes filling in for him when he when he couldn't do it. Uh, so who did they replace him with? A guy named John Moore. Okay, he did some of the recording as well. Uh, th- through 1985, all the rumors of violence... And riots actually became a reality again. Um, on March 15th, the Jesus and Mary Chain played a gig at the North London Polytechnic University in front of one of the largest crowds they ever had. Wow. Okay. The show organizers oversold the show. First mistake. So they, okay? they, so they, 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 they were people, people they out. They, were, they, they had more people outside than inside. That's crazy. Okay. So people were trying to get in. And um, Bobby Gillespie. And Doug Hart attempted to break the locks on the doors to let to let to people, let people in, in. Okay, and uh, it basically, you know, police were called. Uh, the support band at the time was a band called Meat Whiplash, and they were on stage just starting. <laughs> where, shit. where are they today? Are they and, the Foo Fighters now? I don't know where they are. <laughs> I don't know. I think they're working in uh, in, a, in a in a you know Home Depot or something somewhere. Um, they they basically were riling up violence and saying shit and getting the crowd riled up. And that was even before the Jesus and Mary chain hit the stage. Um, their singer, the guy's name was Paul McDermott, threw an empty wine bottle into the audience and people that he hit actually got up and attacked them. They got why, up on stage. Why did that, did this happened to another band. What was the other band that we read that they threw something to the crowd and there was like a little rust kid. Oh, I don't know. That's happened with a lot. Because it happened a lot. It's yeah. like this is like a returning yeah. uh, theme. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, you know, that's why. That's why, like, that's why, like, since the '80s, you don't get glass at shows anymore. Yeah, that would be good. Bottle. Plastic bottles, you know. Now, um, he was attacked. Okay, um, and and the band itself had to like make a quick quick exit. Get the, let's get the right? hell out of the, here. The next, they, they oh, the next opening us. band was called Jasmine Minx, and they actually got through their set in one piece with no problem. But what the Jesus and Mary chain did, and they did this a lot, especially in the early years, is they used to get fucked up before the show. Oh, right? yeah, of course. And, and like Jim, Jim who had, Jim the singer, who had bad stage fright, really felt he had to be totally whacked before he could go out <laughs> on stage. So, you know, if you start drinking, it might take you an hour to get nice yeah. and whacked, right? You know, meanwhile, the audience is waiting for you to come on. It's so crazy. they kept them waiting for an hour, all right? And the audience started throwing cans on the stage. They started throwing bottles. Um, they ended up basically like they came out. They did a quick 25-minute set. And walked then off. Stopped. And then all hell broke loose. Okay? And they wrecked the equipment on stage, the, the amplifiers, everything. They had to get the hell out of there. But think about it. You're, you're looking at a show. You're waiting for a big crowd. 
little crowd. What the fuck? You know, we get upset. The, the only the only band I could think of that did that on a regular basis was was uh, was Guns N' Roses. They would they would keep you waiting. Oh yeah, yeah. They you, know, you don't want to keep you waiting like these fucking other guys. Now it's like it's like a witch on um Who? the people that um like that whole little thing in the East Village. Those people now are like holding people down, stopping them from like coming into bars and stuff. It's almost like the same thing. These guys are stopping people. Yeah. So let's say you got a thousand uh, capacity, but you sold. 12,000. 1,000, you sold 1,200. 1,200. Yeah. So you have a fucking problem. Yeah, you got 200. So they, now they got to throw out some people to try to make the other people yeah. so they pick it and choose yeah. it. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. And then what do you do if you paid? And if you, you pay, yeah, back, you right? can't get your money back. Uh, well, what happens that. then? You're going to go nuts. And know? I guess that's That used to get. happen a lot of shows. But I guess that's where you get the bottle joy. These people are so upset and, and they had attitude. They might yeah. go there, you're looking for a good show. 10 well, minutes, you know, 20 you know, minutes, they're you know, out. You remember, remember the Continental on 3rd Avenue? Yeah. Right? They used to, they didn't They didn't know of a cell ahead of time because they, they would just basically cover at the door. Yeah. But but they would have way more than they were allowed to have in there for a oh, lot yeah. of shows. And the fire department would come and shut them down. Yeah, every time. That happened like 10 times when I was there. And the fire would, it's like, holy shit, well, what's, what's the fire? Yeah. It's a There's good, no fire. Like right, everybody's, everybody's got it. Yeah, it's a fine. And, and, it's a fine. Yeah. All right. So what happened is the venue blamed it on the band for coming oh. on too late. But what what their manager Alan McGee did is he put out a statement to the press, <laughs> and he basically said that the audience was smashing up pop music, and that this was truly art as terrorism. Pretty smart, right? Yeah, pretty, yeah, pretty smart. It's stupid, but it works. It's stupid, but it works. It works, you know. Now, violence at Jesus and Mary Chain shows really became a problem for a while. Uh, people just would show up to kick ass and yeah. throw shit at them, and, and they would all show up like a, between four to between uh, twelve and four in the morning because <laughs> <laughs> they'll come out and show. They would go on late. Up. They would go on late and keep everybody waiting, and then fights would break out. And, well, what's you know. wrong with that? What's wrong with keeping people waiting? Like, no, I think that's the thing about a show. That's what well, that, that used to be part of a show business thing. Is like let the suspense build up. Yeah, you know. But if you do that for too long, if people are wasted, they're not going to oh, like they're that. Not you know? like it, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, um, many of the shows through 1985 were canceled because of this. Okay, all the violence. But shows that did manage to go forward sometimes started off peaceful but would devolve into, into violence. violence, okay? Because the average set list for a Jesus and Mary Chain show in those days was 25 minutes. <laughs> wow. right? And the reason that they, they did 25 minutes is if you think about it, Psycho Candy's only about 35 minutes, Yeah. okay? And that's all they knew how to play. Yeah. So, you know, you're, normally the live show, you might be a little faster. You might do a 35-minute <laughs> album and a half in a half an hour, and uh, people just weren't having it. So you know? people, they were having it. We were like, fuck these guys. Yeah. Now, after the success of Psycho Candy in the UK, the band went on a very successful U.S. tour here in America in late 85 into wow. 86. Yeah, and I got to see them. You got uh, to see I, them? The first time around, yes. How were they? The Ritz, they were fantastic. They were fantastic. I Ritz was, is a good I was about, uh, I think I was about 17, getting in with Fake ID. Um, I remember that, and uh, they they did they did play for about thirty five minutes, and then they were like, "Wow!" But you know, we didn't ride or nothing like that. We just 
without being sick. They probably play all the favorite songs in 20 minutes. Well, they played what they knew. Yeah. That's all they had, you know. Um, they also did a tour of Japan at that, that same time. The Japan must have Now, them. none of these shows really had any violence, but when they returned to the UK, they toured around the country and there was no violence again. Okay, they, they, things were calming down over there. Um, the band ended up doing a third John Peel session in November of 1985, which included the track Psycho Candy, which is not on the album. Wow. Okay, that was left off the album. They go John Peel's again. Yeah, John Peel songs, helping him again. Yep, him yep, yep. They also recorded another track left off the album with John Peel called Some Candy Talking. <laughs> okay, now that was left off the album too. Um, they got in a little bit of trouble because of this. Um, basically, the, 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 the second version of Some Candy Talking ended up getting released as a part of an EP that New Musical Express put out like free in the magazine in January of 86. But when it got released as an official single, it got to number 13 on the UK singles charts. So they did but, very good in the yeah, UK. Yeah, but what, but what, oh, a lot better than, than here. But, but BBC Radio 1 DJ Mike Smith took them on and said, some candy talking is about drugs. Oh, so they, they, they got thrown he, out they of got the bus. The, yeah, so the BBC One, um, the BBC One band. What do you got? The water? Water, man. There you go. So the BBC band, for how long? Was it like a long band? Did they even ban them? I mean, they, they couldn't play the song. But it still got to number, you know, 13. On the you know what? Because people probably oh this. Well, song. anytime you ban something, people yeah, want to hear it more. You know. So in September of '86, the band parted ways with manager Alan McGee and actually came close to breaking up in general. At that point, uh, vocalist Jim Reed was suffering from what he called nervous exhaustion. Okay, but you know, in the business, that's always you're lumped up. You're lumped okay, up. and uh, you know. It was really just a cover for the drug abuse going on with William and, and a little bit with Jim and the alcohol problems that Jim had. Um, tensions, though, between the brothers were starting to get high at that point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, early on, William, William, uh, who played you know guitar um, and sang on a couple of songs, um, he never liked touring. No. Okay. And Jim was the one that liked touring. But if you were to ask them now, it's the opposite. It's funny. Oh, so now it's the other way around. But um, former Dead Can Dance drummer James Pinker joined the band. Uh, Blanco E. Negro label manager Jeff Travis took over as for management. And two gigs in December of 86 at the National Ballroom in Kilburn in uh, northern London were scheduled. Uh, they premiered two new songs for this. It was include uh, one song called April Skies. And a song called Hit. And in early in 87, they began recording their second album. The first fruits of these sessions became the April Skies single. Yep. And it became their first top 10 hit in the UK. Wow. Yeah. And on the B side was a reworking of Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, Surf City. Uh, <laughs> but with them, it was called Kill Surf City. Yeah, Kill, Kill Surf, Surf City. City. So, I remember that. Yeah, very cool song. They also released a cover of Bo Diddley's Who Do You Love? And it was a tribute to Bo called Bo Diddley is Jesus. Another song, which yeah. is great. Whoa. And a live version of the band Can's song called Mushroom. 
Uh, a second single called Happy When It Rains was their second pre-album single. However, it would only get to number 25, not do as well as April Skies. But the band set out on another UK tour. This time, sets were stretched to about 45 minutes. Now wow. they had an, another album to work with. They toured without a drummer, okay, and used a drum machine at that point. Okay, I which, don't like the drum yeah, machine. Yeah, I never liked that either, but that's what they that's what they did. I never liked the drum machine. Mm-hmm. The second album called Darklands came out in September of 87 while the band was actually on tour. The album is much more melodic than Psycho Candy. It's not as noisy, okay? It's not as loud. But it, it, was, it was actually recorded by just pretty much the two brothers themselves. Uh, drum machines replaced the live drums at shows. The band was still receiving excellent reviews for the album when it came out and the live shows despite the drum machine. How did those albums do in the U.S.? Uh, not that great. They were like, really? they cracked the top 200 a little bit, the low, uh, you know, 180, something like that. But they, uh, they would get played on WLIR, uh, which was a, uh, alternative. They didn't even call it alternative, but it was like a punk new wave station out on Long Island. It was an alternative rock I mean, station. Yeah. Huh? Before the word, you know, they yeah. didn't have a word for that then. Um, Darklands is a great album. Uh, it's, it's, it was really meant to be, uh, uh, they, I think they were thinking of making it an acoustic album, but it just really kind of didn't didn't come out like that. Um, the title track is a slow song. It's very melodic, and it was released as a single in October. They ended up going on the ITV music show called The Roxy uh, to promote it. But what happened was when they when they were doing the the um, the filming of it, they they didn't bother to lip sync. Ugh. So they got thrown out. <laughs> Why do so many bands do that? They just don't want. They want to. So awful. It, it is. You know. It's. It's. We, we've talked about so many bands when they go on to. They just can't lip sync. You know, or they don't want to. You know. Now the band shows and the violence kind of resurfaced at a gig at the RPM Club in Toronto on in uh, November of '87. Uh, when they were on, they were getting heckled the whole time by. A couple of people in the audience. They're going to get hit. And, 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 you know, Jim, the singer, he basically had enough and he, 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 he had s- s- slammed down the mic stand on somebody's head. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Split the guy's head open. All right. He ended up spending the night in jail. Okay. And they arrested him after the show. And I remember reading in, in, in Bob Dwyer Kisses how he was like afraid in jail because like he was in there in like his leather pants. In jail in Toronto, okay, you know, and leather pants, leather pants in Toronto. <laughs> now, eventually, his charges would get dropped. All he had to do was uh, he had to make a rather large donation to the uh, Salvation Army. <laughs> That's okay, it. and he apologized to the person he hit, uh, and he got off luckily right there because he was. They, they were saying he may go to jail because he hurt the guy pretty yeah. good, you know. In April of 88, a compilation of rarities came out. Uh, rarities, B-sides, and some unreleased stuff called Barbed Wire Kisses. So they put only one album. That's pretty much what it is, right? They have two albums at this point. You got yeah. Darklands and you got... But I mean, they took all the same, but just put one album in there. No, no, no. Right? It, wasn't, it wasn't the singles. It was like the B-sides. Oh, the B-sides. All B-sides right. and, and stuff that they hadn't released yet and, you know, rarities and stuff like that. Oh. Very good album. Uh, 
they they released uh, they were going to release some live material. Also, they did a show in Detroit that they recorded. Uh, I don't believe it ever did come out at that point. I think it did come out later. Uh, Dave Evans, the former Mary Chain sound man, actually replaced bass player John Moore at that oh point. Oh my God! No, yeah, the guy the the sound guy. I know a lot of revolving doors. Yeah, like, like they had a lot of yeah. members when you look at it. And they also got Richard Thomas on drums in early '88. Uh, going back to a live drum sound instead of using the drum machine again. They got away from the drum machine. Thank God. <coughs> so this band had 18 band members different changed. Members. Yeah. I wonder what, I guess they were difficult to work with. Yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, and it was a gr- it was a grueling touring schedule and difficult. And, and like Bobby Gillespie had another band even to deal with, you know, so he couldn't handle both. In 89, um, a new album was released that would break them in the United States a little bit. Uh, the album Automatic came out in October of 89. Uh, prior to releasing it, the bass player change was made again. Okay. And they got a guy named Ben Lurie to replace Dave Evans. However, when making Automatic, the Reed brothers relied on a drum machine mostly and even a synthesized bass sound to replicate a bass guitar. Uh, drummer Richard Thomas was also used on some tracks. Uh, when the album was released, it got generally poor reviews, mostly based on the fact that they were using the drum machine on the album. Um, however, it was their most commercial album in the States up to that point, with MTV playing the hit singles Blues from a Gun and Head On. Which what was, did it be commercial hit? That it was like a really it big... Did, it, it actually... Uh, it, it actually got to number 105 in the States on Billboard, the album. You know, now, now one, of your fa- one of your favorite bands covered that, the Pixies. Who? Oh, yeah, the Pixies. They, cover, the Pixies. they, they cover Head On. Oh, yeah. Head On, right? So, I love the Pixie. Um, for us kids that had, you know, MTV in the 80s, we remember Jesus and Mary Chain, the two singles, Blues from a Gun and Head On were on all the time. Yeah, that was, that that, was, that like, was always on in rotation. It was funny how MTV, like, even though they had all those videos, they always rely on the same thing. Well, they had that they had that thing that they would push. Yeah, you know, a lot of times it was shit, but every once in a while, a good thing would sneak through. But it was good stuff, especially in 120 minute with Ricky Rockman. He's half a fucking idiot. Nah, Dave Kendall was 120 minutes. Ricky Rockman was the metal. Oh thing. yeah, that was, was, uh, uh, was a headbangers. Headbangers, but I thought that guy was horrible. Yeah, I never liked him. I thought he was a I guy never, that was in one I, I never, I never cared head. for him that much. Um, I used to watch Headbangers Ball just praying, crossing my fingers. They played Motorhead, you know, <laughs> Motorhead. They, and they would, they would usually play them every every show. Let me, baby. <laughs> my name is Motorhead, and we play <laughs> rock and roll. Yep, yep. Now the, the the fluid nature of the Jesus and Mary chain with all these lineup changes uh, continued through their whole career. Uh, often but that the, must have fucked up the chemistry, right? Cause, no, because the chemistry is really just Jim and William. Oh, yeah. Okay, true, and true. everybody else just got to kind of fall in line. Um, often the band, sometimes would they would, if they didn't have anybody really else, they would recruit members just for TV appearances. Okay, right. so there was a lot of people that might have been only in for one gig. Yeah, Okay, and then you get another guitarist. Another yeah. But the constant was always William Reed and Jim yeah. Reed. Um, they ended up buying their own recording studio in 1991 in South London. And uh, you know what they nicknamed it? 
What? The drugstore. The drugstore. They probably had the candy hidden there. They would go there and hit the shit up the fucking uh, <laughs> under the record player. So they hear. Right now, the, 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 the recordings that they did by February of 92 in that in the drugstore, okay, started to kind of emerge. Uh, a single called Reverence, which is one of their one of their best songs, uh, gave them their biggest hit single in five years. Uh, got to number 10 in the UK. The lyrics were controversial and got them banned once again yeah. from the BBC. Uh, and they, they weren't allowed to go on top of the pops either. It had lyrics like, I want to die like JFK. All right. Uh, there was another lyric about wanting to die like Jesus Christ on a bed of spikes. All right. So God, he got in a little bit of trouble for that. The single followed by the release of the album called Honey's Dead in 1992. Oh, they, 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 they basically uh, they decided they wanted to really try to crack the American market at that point. Uh, they ended up joining the roller coaster tour. With uh, other British acts like Blur, my bloody yeah, my bloody Valentine, and Dinosaur Junior was on that tour. Ooh, okay, that's a great tour. Yeah, yeah. They also would join up on the Lollapalooza tour in 1992. I remember them a Lollapalooza. That was yeah. a big deal. Yeah. Like these small band that went to these um concerts. It was like a it was it wasn't really a concert. It was like a festival. Yeah, Lollapalooza was a festival. It was it was outside. You go there two, right. three days and you yeah. hang out. And it might be for two or three days. And yeah. and and it was always like thing people would sell things. I mean you get shirts, you get, you know, hats, but they people would also there'd be food, there yeah. would be beer. Beer, lots of beer. Lot of beer. Uh, you know, lot also of people beer. people sold like things they made homemade, like arts and crafts and things like that. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, it didn't work for them, the Lollapalooza tour, because they're not really, uh, they didn't get along well with the other bands because they, with these Lollapalooza shows, yeah. it was all like the bands hanging out with each other. And, and they, they also had like three stages. So yeah, you have to find right. You might have, you right. might have which one. Yeah, the three going on at the same time. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, they weren't, they weren't very social with other bands. And also playing like at two o'clock in the afternoon in the sun, yeah, like they didn't, just didn't, got didn't, fried. It, it, it didn't work for them. That kind of scene. <laughs> they like okay. the air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like the inside at twelve o'clock at night. You know, in ninety like three, another compilation was released of rarities, similar to Bob the Bob Wire Kisses, um, rarities and B sides. Uh, they they ended up putting out Stoned and Dethroned. In 1994, wow. okay, uh, that was their fifth album. Uh, the fifth album had a hit called uh, "Sometimes." What the hell was it called? Sometimes, o- always. Sometimes, Sometimes always. always. Yeah, with uh, Mazzy Starr singer Hope Sandoval. Um, it was a duet sung between Jim and her. William was actually going out with her. She was. <laughs> she was in the in the band Mazzy Starr. Yeah, remember Mazzy Starr? Um, now. Also on that album, you had a guest appearance on a song called God Help Us by the great Shane McGowan, who was the singer to the Pogues. Wow. Okay, he does that one song on that album. If you got Shane on your on your album, you know you're getting lumped up. Yeah, you're okay. getting fucked up. Yeah, because I think he comes with his own alcohol no matter where he goes. <laughs> um, <laughs> the album, this is the album that they were thinking of doing acoustically, really, too. Okay, Um 
but it just didn't work out because they they really couldn't you know make anything interesting they said acoustically out of those tracks sometimes only uh sometimes always was kind of a a hit on MTV it got some airplay the video they always you know what <laughs> the thing is as, as I remember they were always on MTV they were always a few um... songs a few songs not not everything the early stuff when 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 just like honey came out that was great. I think it if I remember right, they really didn't start playing them until it was like a year or two later. Okay, like they think when the second album came out. I don't remember because I don't think they had 120 minutes yet in '85. Right? 120 minutes came out for more independent and stuff like but, that. But when what year did it come out? Was it '85? Was it that early? It was like '84. 80, it may, oh, okay. it may have been '86 that came out. Yeah, I mean that's when I think they started playing them more like '86 yeah. to '85. You know, with the with the Psycho Candy stuff, there was a couple of videos of Psycho Candy that they would play. It was now, good, yeah. But in '95, um, the the Mary Chain would part ways with their label. Okay, no. uh, Blanco y Negro. Wow. They said bye bye. Uh, the split occurred after the release of the album "The Jesus and Mary Chain Hate Rock and Roll." That's okay. terrible. And they resigned back with their first label, Creation Records. Creation. All right, and that would be they would sign to them, but in the states they would be on sub pop. Yeah, the band now included former Lush bassist Phil King, and they then recorded the 1998 album called Monkey. Okay, Monkey. it's spelled M U N K I. Okay, which would be their least successful album to date, peaking at number 47 in the UK. Uh, Jim and Williams' sister Linda sings on a track called Mo Tucker, right? Dedicated to the great Mo Tucker yeah. of the Velvet Underground. And Hope Sandoval uh, from Mazzy Stark came back to sing on a song called Perfume. Now, throughout, um, well, I should say, though it, 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 it was not formally announced until, like, October of 99, by September of 88, a year earlier, the band was basically done. Okay, what happened was that's the way it is. That's William, it when they they were on tour, and William had a falling out with guitarist Ben Lurie uh, before a big sold out show at the House of the Blues uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, they were playing the House of Blues, and um, House the, of Blues they, is the a good place. Them, it is. Uh, the two of them had like a fight on the on the tour bus before this the show, you... you know. And Jim showed up to the show totally shit faced drunk. And he couldn't stand, couldn't sing, couldn't stand up, couldn't walk. And William, after about 15 minutes of like a disastrous gig, he just left. He just walked off the stage. Yeah, he got get the fuck out of there. And uh, the audience ended up getting refunded the price of their tickets. Um, William Reed effectively quit the band at that point. But they continued on to do the rest of the tour, which was some U.S. dates and the tour of Japan with Adam. Okay. Uh, the two brothers would not speak for the next several years. Oh, so they just separated. They just they separated. Enough, I think they had enough money. They were like, fuck this. Yeah, I mean, they had some money at that point, but they just couldn't, they couldn't stand each other anymore. It got to a point where they were going to kill each other, you know? And they probably would have. Yeah. Now, immediately after the breakup, both Reed brothers embarked on a solo career. Both of them. Okay. But, but they basically went nowhere. Um, in October of 2006, it was announced that William and Jim, had reconciled and the Jesus and Mary chain would get back together. So it was like eight years later, basically. Yeah, and it's um, like what, two hours? <laughs> yeah. 
coincidentally, uh, Jim Reed was playing some brass solo gigs um, at London Sonic Cathedral Club on what was called John Peel Day. All right. That was Thursday, October 13th, 2005. And it celebrated the life of DJ John, John Peel, um, who'd been dead about a, a year at that point. Uh, he ended this solo gig, Jim, with the Jesus and Mary Chain classic, Never Understand. So things were kind of hyping up that the Jesus and Mary Chain were coming back. Yeah, like they're going to play, they're going to play this band, they're going to play um, international, they're going to play Kimmy, they're playing everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, no, you idiots. <laughs> In 2006, uh, because the band was getting back together, Rhino Records decided to re-release the five albums, uh, Psycho Candy, Darklands, Automatic, Honey's Dead, so Stone the same Dethroned. album? Were these repackaged a little different? They were repackaged. They came with a DVD with a couple of videos on it. Oh, nice. And some bonus tracks, artwork, uh, nice book inside. I have a couple of them. They're pretty cool. So you can play them while, you know, you're driving, of the, while you're driving Satan, your car. <laughs> Which one, my Camaro? Yeah, the one that only goes <laughs> two miles per hour. <laughs> Why are you saying Camaro? that? The Camaro, the Camaro, the Camaro is good. Not my little car, but the other car no, is no, a my suspect. Ca- my, suspect. My, my 2000 Camry is my is my hoopty. All right, that, that just that just I drive around when I want to be you, inconspicuous. You change your name from a Volkswagen to a Camry. <laughs> Listen, you, that car starts every day, man. It takes me from point A to point B. Um, so these guys are getting back together yeah. almost in 2007. Yeah, so now they, they started the, the first gig back was at the Coachella Festival in 2007. I never uh, met that guy, Coachella. Coachella. Never met him. Never, I don't know him personally either. Me either. <laughs> that was in April of 2007 at that festival. Mm-hmm. Now, during the song Just Like Honey, actress Scarlett Johansson, jumped on stage to sing with the band. Ooh, your okay. answer, your answer. Yeah, right. now her film, we mentioned it before, Lost in Translation, featured that song, and she did some backup singing on stage. Um, there was a new song that was uh, debuted that night called All Things Must Pass. Uh, it ended up being released for the soundtrack to 2008's hit show Heroes. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah, the one they, with the, all the heroes that got together yep, again at the end? Yep, yep. Like Channel 4, I think it was on. Channel 5. Channel, Channel 5. 5, okay. Uh, it was their first new song in 10 years. That song, All Things Must Pass. Now, in September 2007, Rhino continued their re-releasing of the back catalog with a four-CD box set called The Power of Negative Thinking, B-Sides and Rarities. It consisted of basically everything that was on Barbed Wire Kisses, the Sound of Speed collection, and I hate, uh, Jesus and Mary Jane, hate rock and roll. Who did we talk about last week that they had that they the positive of hatred, remember? They were pretty much, Who? one of the guys was like, you got to be power negative. Positive, positive. Yeah, it was very, <laughs> I don't remember. Funny. Yeah, one of the guys last oh. week that we were, they were like, you okay. the power got hatred to hear you, not this. <laughs> In 2010, a uh, Greatest Hits album, called Upside Down, The Best of the Jesus and Mary Chain, was released on Music Club Deluxe. And within a year, uh, the band did a series of tour dates through North America, and they also played China for the first time. China. 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 No, China. Wonder, no wonder we have the flu. <laughs> 
<laughs> China virus. Uh, so they did play China, and in 2013, a release called The Complete Vinyl Collection came out, putting the entire discography on vinyl. On vinyl. Okay. Uh, in one set, and it was in celebration of the 30th anniversary of the Jesus and Mary chain. But you know what the problem is? Vinyl is so much better. Like it's like you put it on there, it just works. It's sound. It's a record. You hold it. You I, I, I'm a big fan of vinyl. I still have all my vinyl from from 40, 50, 45 years ago. Uh, you know, from when I was a kid, I, I have every, every, a couple of hundred albums. Wow. Okay, that's amazing. And uh, things are coming out today on vinyl. Uh, even even as opposed to CD, they don't come out on CD. They come out on vinyl, you know. And uh, you can't beat that. That's you know, cool. I mean, nothing like holding a record, a record. And playing it. Or oh, CD, even a CD. CD's okay. A, CD's okay. Such a thing but but the whole up, the whole like, download the whole download thing. Uh, I know people do it because it's easier, but it, it, there's nothing tangible. There's not, it's kind of cold, right? Yeah, it's you know? like you get yeah. you download your album, and then you got all right. I got it on my computer screen, but What's like my book there? What's my book? I want to read. I want to see pictures. I want to talk about the band. I want to see what it is. Look at the credits. See who played what. It's just like, uh, I know. I know. I know. Well, they want you to go Google that. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it is. (laughs) Now, in 2017, a new album called Damage and Joy was released. And it actually got to number one in the UK. All right. And guess where it got in the United States? Number nine. Number nine. That's yeah, huge. so that was their biggest album ever. That's huge. Okay. Number nine? Yeah, yeah. Uh on the Billboard Independent charts. And it also went to number twenty-two. Number twenty on the top alternative charts in the US, but it got to number thirty-eight on the rock album charts in the US. So they were like breaking through thirty years later. Yeah, it's that's, that's, that's amazing. Um their their most commercial stuff to date. Uh since then, they've continued to tour. Uh, they ended up doing a successful tour with Nine Inch Nails in 2018. That's amazing. Uh, how these guys could since then they rock. Since then, they've been quiet. Uh, the whole world went to hell. So hopefully, when when all this is over, the Jesus and Mary channel come back you because think, I want to see him again. I haven't you seen him. They'll come the back 90s. like the strong like they did the first time. Yeah, why not? I mean, look, we've been saying I think people want to see live bands again. Yeah, people do want to see, but the yeah. thing is. Are they, are they going to allow you to um, fucking see live band? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we're going to have to wait and see how this is all going to work. But that's all I got for you today, Mr. Rossi. That's a fantastic. Mary Jane, let me tell you, my favorite band. I respect those guys for a long time. Yeah. And um, I never really got to see them. I saw videos because they had so They're many videos. They're great live. I saw them. Uh, remember when Studio 54 became the Ritz? Yeah. Okay, uptown. Um, just like honey, baby. Yeah. Great guitar. Yeah. That's the Phil Spector wall of sound with yeah. a lot of feedback. A lot of feedback. There you go. Okay, so I was going to say is one time I saw them at the Ritz when it was Studio 54. Yeah. And for an encore... They they did the cramps new kind of kick, and I was oh like, oh man! And you know that's a great song with a lot of feedback in it anyway. By the cramps, yeah. but they just doubled the feedback on the song. The whole that's thing insane. was just like your head wanted to explode when you, you know, like, when you heard it. What the fuck? Yep, yep. Great band, great live band. 
I wish I, I saw the live. Uh, they did a lot of pollution. Right? Yep. Yeah. A little more Jesus and Mary thing. The lot. Of, I would have loved to see the Milano Perusa. Could also um, some of those festivals. It would have been. It would have been surreal seeing him at Lollapalooza because they're a band that's so kind of dark. Yeah. And then see them in the sun at two o'clock in the afternoon. You know what the thing with that? Compared a lot to um to Peshmo. Nah, they're better than Depeche Mode. But they're like they're like in that whole weird gender. Kind of, kind of. I mean, Depeche Mode is really all keyboards and everything. I don't think but, of guitars but, but people when I think of Depeche but, but Mode. But when I think of drum machine, I think Depeche Mode. Yeah, yeah. Thing, and, and Jesus and Mary Chain didn't use drum machine on everything. No, they, but... Just some stuff. It was like, what the fuck? Yeah. So, Mike, another great, um, another great show, a lot of information. Yep. I don't know if you people thought I was lumped up. I've been drinking all day, god yeah, damn it. Yeah. I've been yeah. doing bad we haven't stuff. Done, we haven't done a show together in a while, and it was while. good. We did a freak show like that. But next week, we have um, we have a huge show. Clearwater Revival. Greetings, Clearwater Revival. And CCR. I have a little, I know a little bit of that. I love John Fogel is one of my favorite well, you, artists. You, 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 were asking, you were asking to do a show on them for, I, for I like a year now. That, but they, you know what the thing is? This is another group of brothers. Fought. They fought a lot. And one yeah. brother was a scumbag that sued the other brother. Yeah. He couldn't even play his music for right. years. Right. Right. And he was like, didn't he die for me? It's like he was a drummer. He died. He died from AIDS. Uh, I think because of a bad blood transfusion yeah, back so, in the in the eighties when that would happen. Yeah. Know? So next week, people, um, fans, get ready for another Green exciting show. Water revival. Um, I was talking to. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to Brett uh, from uh, from Ibar. Okay. Yeah. Um, he heard we were doing CCR next week, and yeah. he, he said something interesting. He said, "You know, he goes, I always liked them, and I never heard a song from them I didn't like." They had and that's every, true. They had a lot of hits. And, you know, CCR is one of these bands. Yeah, they, there's about six or seven songs they play on classic rock radio. They play the shit out of. Yeah. But if you listen to the album tracks and stuff that's not played on the radio, they're even better. They're a great band. You know, I mean, they don't really have the bad. first couple albums from them are just pretty fucking amazing. We're going to go into that. They were very influential. Um, even Johnny Ramone said CCR and The Doors. Were the two greatest American bands. I think the Doors were a great American band, but you yeah. know, my, my Grand Funk Rebel was the American band. <laughs> yeah. they, so, right. they, they were grassroots entirely. So, yeah. Mike, uh, what can we get you uh, next time if we want to reach out to you, send you okay. an email? I'm all over the place. You can find me on Instagram, Rocker Mike 212, Rocker Mike 212. You can find me on um, Clout Hub under Rocker Mike. You can find me on MeWe under Rocker Mike, MeWe, uh, Parlor under Rocker Mike, also Facebook under Michael Baker, and we have, of course, the Rock Show podcast group the page. The group page Facebook. is doing very good. It's getting more It's getting, getting more a lot of members are going there. Like We started yeah. with a very small community. I think we're up to, um, we're getting close to 500, right? I think we're about 500. We're getting yeah. close to 500 members. And guys, if you uh, want to continue, because uh, Rocker Mike put Song of the Day, Song of the Night, He's always on it, and then we got a special uh, Dan Scott that always plays. Dan, Dan Scott, shout out to you, buddy. Uh, yeah, I mean he's definitely been contributing a lot to the uh, to the page. Oh, and Boogie, 
I hope you live. Boogie, Boogie, Boogie lives. We Boogie have, lives. We have to give it a shout out to Boogie. He got his stickers. Now he got his stickers. He's putting stickers over. So Boogie lives. Um. Oh, he's got Boogie lives stickers now. Yeah, he got stickers. He's, he not, he's, get not, he's not riding it on with sharpies in the fucking. No, the son of a bitch becomes civilized. <laughs> he got a fucking sticker. <laughs> I think he ran out of room at Clockworks to fucking put anything on the wall. So I hope some of the music that I put on, I play some of the songs for him. Uh, I, I, I hope they don't. Take it down. Please. I was testing the waters just to see, see what, what they do. Yeah, see what happened. Ten second thing, maybe nothing. Yeah, I did like a little seven. Yeah. Supposedly seven seconds is the main thing. Seven seconds is the limit. But people, thank you for your support. Thank you for everything. The Kiwis, we love you. Thank you, and Sweden, Sweden too. We, we love, love you, Sweden. Too. Switzerland, we love you. We're all top forty in these fucking. Places. America, we love you too, man. But you need to put us up there. We need to be in the top fifty. Listen, guys. just want to say. No matter what, we're still better than Meghan Markle. Okay. <laughs> and also, if we crack the top 100 in America in the 90s, we'll be better than Michelle Obama. <laughs> Dude, do you hear that whole thing that happened with, um, with uh, Piers Morgan? Yeah, he, he, he shit on the he shit on the, the royals, right? Is you that know, what happened? He said that Marco was lying. That everybody's yeah. lying, and then and then everybody turned on him. And everybody, no, like and people turn on him. But yeah. then, then, then Sharon Osbourne came on her show. Her show got canceled because she supported him. And then the show that he walked off beat the show that's called like uh, Breakfast in in whatever. Yeah. It was the number one show. The next day on Twitter, he put, "I almost wanted to beat that show in the radio. I accomplished <laughs> my goal." <laughs> but he's not on anymore now, right? Piers huh? Morgan. He's no, he, he's, he's that. He, he, he left his quit. own show. He, he left his own show. He yeah. quit, and that's it, man. Shit's happening. Listen, they, 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 this look. I mean, let's not get political, but Trump's out of the picture, so now they'll just cancel each other. Yeah, they, everybody's going, canceling they, they, each they, other. They just cancel each other amazing. out. There's nobody else. There's nobody else left. Yep. Once you can, once you can kill them, everybody else, you got to kill yourself. Exactly. You eat your own, baby. On their own swords. Yeah. So, people, we see you next week. We love you. Fuck you. And don't get Get drunk. drunk. Get lumped up. See you next week. Take care, people. Pretty good. Let's get lumped up on the rock show.